Rusty Quill presents. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, it's mid-season finale time again, so expect an intermission next week. This is also the last week that I'll read every patron's name at the top of the show. I'm brainstorming egalitarian ways to choose names each week in the future. That's patreon.com slash woe underscore begun, by the way. Early episodes, transcripts, music, a special discord, stuff like that. Thanks to Risky Coffee, Plumiel, Edith Wharton, Cooper Dukes, Jason Lee, Mira, Austin Sleeper, Ashley Moo, Justin Clavitch, and M. Harrison Minix. Matthew Robertson, Brendan Liner, Jenny and CISO, Elizabeth Kirkman, Paul S., Sophie, Wei Ng, Aaron Richardson, Sean McGedrick, Paul Harvey, S.R. Jenkins, Daniel Jenkins, Toasty Warm Hamster, Good Old Dev, Catherine Draper, Clever Hobo, and Kevin Berry for supporting the show. Enjoy. <sighs> Guys, I'm tired. I feel like I used to do a lot of cold openers talking about brains and how they worked, so I stopped when I realized that there was a trend going on. I'm not actually an expert on the human brain, as you might already be intricately familiar with. I get by through using my intuition to describe a phenomenon the way that I see it, and then I say that the way that I see it is the way that it is. Metaphorically seeing things in this way is metaphorically myopic. I mean, that's literally what myopic means. It doesn't lead to the truth, it leads to you hearing my perspective. You get pulled in by my unrivaled charisma, and intelligence, and perfect eyebrows, and you give weight to my perspective because how could the eyebrows be wrong? The phenomenon that I want to expand upon in this particular cold open is the brain's, excuse me, my, my tendency to believe that once something is revealed, it means that it is the truth that is being revealed. There is a mystery, and then some digging and discovery later, I come to find that the way things actually are is some other way. End of story. We can all pack up and go home now. We can all pack up and move to Old Brush Valley for the next part of the story. More truth to uncover. It's sort of a contrarian sequel to the first option bias, which is a phenomenon where the first way that something's presented is more likely to believe to be true. A second option bias, if you will. But this perspective only works if the people in my life are the only people that exist. What if there's someone out there that's pulling the strings on the people that are pulling the strings on the people that are pulling the strings? What if it's turtles all the way down, and what I've been doing all this time is finding the second turtle and saying, Yep, that turtle's holding up the first one. We figured it out, guys. We found the turtle. I think Wobegon enables this way of thinking in the way that it's structured. Firstly, something really is going on, so it makes it easier to believe whatever someone is saying about it. Secondly, there's a progressive structure to the game, so that with each new twist and turn, you can see yourself further along the path. It's clearly going somewhere, so... Thirdly, they seem both capable and willing to alter brains in order to make them behave in the way that the game runners deem necessary. Sort of unfair if you ask me. 
Who knows what I'd know by now if I had a full recollection of everything that happened at Cannonball's house, for instance. I'm increasingly discovering that the day that I spent at Cannonball's house shaped things to a degree that I am yet to fully realize. This is Wobegon. The story of Wobegon is told in order. If this is your first time listening, go back to episode 1. This episode in particular deals with events that happened near the end of season 1. I didn't expect to say this when I started, but the work environment at Over is actually a fairly healthy one. I was surprised because this intersection between government and military and contract job that this role inhabits is prone to mismanagement and treating workers like replaceable parts. However, at Over, it doesn't feel like I'm replaceable. I'm given my space and my time to work through the things that are happening in my life. I'm still on the mend after having been mauled nearly to death by a bear, remember that? I won't shut up about it. I think that most workplaces would do a strict calculation of how much time they would allow me to be off before forcing me back to work, but not Over. I received a pleasant phone call from someone who I guess is my boss, telling me to take all the time that I need and I would be compensated during my time off. This is either a progressive management style or a way to keep me from suing them, since I was inside the gates when it happened. They probably know much more about the attack than I do, and want me to be happy and healthy as soon as possible. That said, I'm still appreciative. I love living alone, and with lots of space between me and everybody else, while still being provided with opportunities to mingle with a small group of people. It's a dynamic that prevents my energy from being depleted. My job consists entirely of walking around and not seeing anyone or anything interesting. It's honestly great. There are no drawbacks at all, in my opinion, except the disappearing bear thing, and Wobegon being part of it. Other than that, it's perpetually peaceful out here. You can see the stars at night. And when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's a moon pie. I think that's how the song goes. Wobegon and its game runners, of course, are not so deferential to my needs when laying out their plans for me. Strength and mobility are still something of an issue, Nothing dire, but also something that could potentially make me vulnerable if they put me in the position to do something violent or something where I might have to quickly flee. You know, like Wobegon stuff. That did not stop them from delivering a new challenge to me while I was still healing. They didn't have to say that they expected a fast turnaround on the challenge. It goes without saying. I got to my current position by acting quickly and without regard for my own body. Whoops. Maybe not such a great expectation to set. If only I could turn back time ever the type to turn an interaction into some inane bullshit, I received an envelope from Wobegon with a letter inside. This could have been an email. They're lucky that I even thought to check my mail, because I'll often leave it for days at a time. Who would send me mail? Nobody knows I'm out here. Inside the envelope was a note, written on stationery with Wobegon letterhead. Why is this necessary? I'll tell you, it's not. Someone had too much fun with their arts and crafts idea. 
Not surprising, it seems like Cannonball's whole job is to make fun arts and crafts for the challenges. Behind the note was a spiral-bound set of pages. The note read, Mike, first of all, congrats on making it this far in Wobegon. It is a truly commendable feat that only those with the strongest willpower encourage. I think that's an overly flowery way of putting it, but flattery will get you everywhere. With the strongest willpower and courage could ever hope to achieve. Many applicants have dropped out or died in attempts to find themselves on the path that you're currently on. You should feel proud of your accomplishments. Why is this letter written like I'm about to get denied entrance into my first pick university? These strengths are why we feel comfortable letting you proceed with the next challenge. It is one that has close ties to Wobegon's efforts to perpetuate itself, so any applicant must undergo extreme scrutiny, even more so than the scrutiny presented by the challenges that you've finished. Am I an... applicant? Now? Attached is the material that you will need to complete the challenge. It includes the player's address, a unique codename, as well as a guide to the Wobegon GameRunner position, complete with a vocabulary guide that drives home the authenticity of the character and makes it all the more engaging. The challenge goals are outlined there too, but you will be easily able to draw on your own experiences starting the game to get a good idea of what is expected of you. Best, W.BG. That was all pretty much useless. It could have been an email. It could have been a text message. Yeah, Mike, you're gonna play dress up as the game runner this time. There's a PDF on how to do it. Done. A tree did not have to die in order to provide this packet to me. I set the note aside and moved on to the packet. It was titled, Wobegon, Game Runner's Guide, on the front page. The next page laid out character notes for the character that I was supposed to embody. Codename, Volunteer, in all caps, it said. Oh, so now I get a codename. I wonder if this is how Cannonball got his, too. This first page encouraged me to, quote, incorporate as much real-life experience as possible into your character. The more reality that you inject into your performance, the less acting you have to do to be believable. The only things that are fake about your character are the story notes that we have given you, as well as emails sent on your behalf as volunteer, the text of which is provided at the end of this packet. The next page was a rundown of what I was supposed to convey to the new player. I was to say that I was one of the Wobegon game runners, someone who won remote access to a supercomputer in a contest hosted by a hacker named Flinch. Spelled, ugh. Vertical bar equal sign one forward slash backslash forward slash open parentheses vertical bar hyphen vertical bar. Truly exhausting. It went on to describe the type of program that I had written in order to win this contest. An SMB worm like WannaCry or Eternal Rocks with a brief definition of what each of those words meant. Made using Eternal Blue and Double Pulsar, also with vocabulary definitions for those. I was promised a dubious, quote, access to a remote quantum computer, one of its kind, with, quote, unrivaled deep learning capabilities. That sounded too good to be true, until he demonstrated the Wobegon technology in real time to me, at which point I was on board and created the game. Quote, You want to stress that the player is exceedingly close to the levers of power, and that if they power through with the fourth challenge, then they will be closer than they have ever been. Practice all of this many times over before engaging with the player. It needs to come from you as though you're actually believing what you're saying. We encourage you to look up these vocabulary terms online in their normal usage to ensure that you have some level of comprehension of what you are saying. Whoever sent this packet sure has a lot of acting notes for me. Why didn't you do it yourself if you have this many opinions about acting? All of this should be ringing alarm bells for anyone who's listened to the show from the beginning, because all of that stuff is exactly what Ryan told me. This document was prepping me to become Ryan in the eyes of another player. Which begs the question, was Ryan an actual game runner or was he a volunteer sent to sort out the mess that I was making? 
Yes, I know that's not what beg the question means, but I bet you felt good about yourself while you were thinking, uh, well, actually, begging the question is a logical fallacy or blah, 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 and you weren't paying attention to the fact that Ryan might have been an actor this whole time. Was Ryan a code name? Was I supposed to be saying it in all caps this whole time? I had made no attempt to contact Ryan or Cannonball directly since the move to Old Brush Valley. I left my main cell phone turned off in storage and was using a burner that I had set up, only talking to W.B.G., whoever that means, in suspicion that Ryan wasn't the only one involved. This kept them from meddling in the way that I was used to, although I suspect if they really wanted to contact me as Ryan and Cannonball, then they wouldn't have too much trouble figuring out how to do so. I treated everyone in my old life as either a threat or a liability, and I don't think that I was incorrect to do so. All of this is to say that I haven't talked to them or anyone else from season one except for Anne since I got here. I have no idea if they're still doing what they were doing before, or if what they were doing was constructed entirely around me and my position in the game. So I don't know if Ryan's out there doing Game Runner stuff. He could be a Game Runner, or even THE Game Runner, who sent these documents so that I could pretend to be him for this challenge. But he could also be someone who got to where I was in the game, and was told to pretend to be like a Game Runner, like I had just been. More importantly than who the Game Runner really is, because I don't care, unless it helps me achieve my goals, there's a possibility that nothing in this document regarding the nature of the technology is true. It could all be a lie, including the stuff about Flinch and the supercomputer and the Wobegon Game Runners only having remote access to it. All of it could have been totally fabricated for this challenge and to lead the new players in question into this trap. If you remember, that conversation that I had with Ryan directly led to me going to Vancouver and killing Matt. I wouldn't have done it if Ryan hadn't shown up at Cannonball's door when I asked him to. Up to the point where I had actually taken Cannonball hostage, I thought that what I was doing was going to lead to the end of the game. I thought that I had put together enough of it to manipulate the people involved as I saw fit. It was my time to strike. But then when I actually struck, it turns out that it was me that was hit by. That was hit by a smooth criminal. Except Ryan might not have been a smooth criminal at all. Just like a rough miscreant like me. Anne, are you okay? Are you okay, Anne? Okay, that's enough of that. That's actually too much. I knew that it was going to be fruitless, but I was mad and a little bit panicky that I had wasted a lot of time out here for what might be no reason, so I pulled out my phone and texted the Wobegon phone number. Are you serious? Is Ryan not the real deal? He's just a player like me? I asked. For the sake of expedience, please follow orders without asking questions. W.BG was the reply. So much for a less formal relationship between myself and the game runners. You know what? I'm starting to think that we were never really friends. They're just a bunch of phonies. Literally, I'm starting to suspect that they're just a bunch of phonies. I mean, everyone that I've talked to, at least. This whole operation goes much higher than some guy that I met on Scruff one time. Actually, now that I say that out loud, of course it does. The thought did occur to me that I don't have to do this. The prize had already been revoked. Things were back to how they were before Wobegon started in most ways. I might pop out of existence suddenly one day, or be killed by someone's fourth challenge, or whatever. However, the stars align to make sure that I'm still here. But I could still live out a normal life with that thought ticking away in the back of my head. I could give up. Stop letting them jerk me around. Stop letting them trick me into believing that I was close to something and then having it ripped away from me. Or I could run straight ahead and make another attempt to kick the football. If I know that they're going to pull it away from me, the least I can do is ignore the ball and kick Lucy in the face. I guess the main difference would be that Charlie Brown knew what the football was, where the football was, who Lucy was, and whether or not she had a face. The next section was titled, The Proving Event. 
In order to prove your authenticity as a game runner, the end of this encounter will culminate in some proving event in which you demonstrate control over Wobegon. Of course, as an actor, you won't be given any control whatsoever. This is not necessary. Due to the nature of the technology, the end of this encounter can be improvised and put together over time, long after the event. We suggest something that is personal to the player and makes a grandiose statement. The player will have familiarity with the technology and will likely have a firm grasp on what is happening. This familiarity will allow you to devise something intricate and thoughtful. As a Star Wobegon player, we entrust you with these decisions. Aw, oh, guys, you really think I'm a star? Again, more stuff that Ryan or Ryan, can you tell that I said it in all caps, did during our encounter. No way to know whether or not this is him toying with me again or whether he was doing this exact same challenge. Oh well, nowhere else to go but forward, turning the page. Player credentials. Everything I need to know about the player I am encountering. Of course it's Hunter Jeremiah Hartley. Hunter Jeremiah fucking Hartley, I swear to God. Of course he's playing Wobegon. I don't have any other way to explain him. I mean, it doesn't explain everything, but this isn't the Explain Hunter Hartley game, it's the time travel murder game. I'm sure the Explain Hunter Hartley game is coming to Q Code in 2023. Listed were his name, address, and phone number, things that I obviously already knew. I had never called him because I was scared that I didn't understand how the cabin phone numbers work, but there was actually an explainer here. Dialing the number gives you a small directory and then you push 1, 2, or 3 depending on whether you want cabins A, B, or C. I guess I could have found that out if I'd ever bothered to call him. There was also some personal backstory, but I knew a lot of that too. Hunter had given me the important broad strokes of his life story the day that we met, and according to the document, he was telling the truth. Under his personal history was his Wobegon history. His start date was after he began working here, so his position at Over did not seem to be a result of him playing the game. I wonder if he was recruited because he already had a job here. He was at the same stage that I was when I first met Ryan, having already completed the third challenge. There were brief summaries of all of his challenges, how long they took, who else if anyone was involved, and a small outline of events. Most of these didn't hold any interesting information, just Hunter's own pile of limbs and corpses, just like mine in all but name. However, my eyes did immediately search for the name that was listed as his prize. It was... Some woman that I don't know. Not me. Damn it. As soon as they confirmed to me on this page that Hunter was playing, my mind immediately went to whether or not he's the one that brought me back to life. I knew that it didn't line up with the dates of his challenges, but I was still holding out hope until I read the name. I go back and forth on whether or not I want to know who did it. At least if it were Hunter, I could sorta of trust him to do the right thing. That's the whole plan then? Go to Hunter's cabin, tell him that I'm volunteer, convince him that he has to do challenge four, and then prove that I'm really a game runner by... I guess I have to decide that once I get there? I mean, it worked on me when that happened, so what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Mike Walters said, setting up the chain of events for the final act of a podcast episode. Nothing went too wrong at first. I called Hunter and asked if I could come over, that it was something that I really needed to talk to him about, and something that he would want to hear in person. Sounding a bit concerned, he said, Sure, buddy. And I made my way over there. So far, so good. None of that sounds like a situation where something even could go wrong, but knowing how all of this works, I could say that I probably narrowly avoided a catastrophe in one way or another, just walking to cabin 44C. I brought my gun and the button, just in case things went south, or got Wobegani. I knew how I had treated Ryan and Cannonball, and I wouldn't blame Hunter for acting the same way if he had the same thought process about what's going on as I did. I could be a valuable captive after all. 
Not knowing what I was there for, Hunter ushered me into his cabin with a smile on his face. I put tea on when you called. It's just about ready now, he said and grabbed two cups for us. What is it that you wanted to talk about? I'm not going to tiptoe around it because I know that'll just cause more trouble. I'm volunteer, I said. Hunter was raising his cup of tea to his lips, but returned it to the table in front of us. No way, he said. It's you? It's been you the whole time? Yep, I said, the whole time. And you're here to talk about... He trailed off. Yeah, the fourth challenge. I know that most players are extremely reluctant to go through with it, but it's the final trial to prove he cut me off. Oh no, it's not like that. It's no problem, really, he said. No problem? How do you mean? I was stunned. I made the right choice right off the bat, he said. Stuff like that's always too good to be true. You get what you pay for and all that, and I didn't pay anything, so I didn't set my hopes too high, you know? Nothing that good's ever happened in my life, and I doubt it ever will. That's why I picked her in the first place. You picked her because you thought she would be easy to kill? I asked. I was trying to thread the needle on getting answers while also making it sound like I knew exactly what I was talking about. Well, it sounds cruel when you say it like that, Mike, but... Yeah. Should I call you Mike or Volunteer? Mike's fine. Volunteer was just to keep you from knowing who you were talking to. Mike it is. Yeah, I picked my mom because I missed her so badly. I was a bad kid, Mike. I got into a lot of trouble in my time, but she was always in my corner, even when I hadn't earned it. When you brought her back, she was still sick, on death's door, so I knew that I only had a limited time with her anyway. I didn't know what the prize was going to be, obviously, so I was hedging a bet based on a prediction. I figured if she went on her own, there was nothing the game could do about it. You gave me the challenge, what, three weeks ago? I've just been waiting until the time was right. She's in palliative care at home as of a couple days ago. I got a phone call telling me that if I wanted to come home and say goodbye, the time's now. It's her time to go no matter what I do, so now's my chance to say goodbye and move on in Wobegon. Damn, I wish I had thought of something like that. I was at least three thoughts behind Hunter going into this whole thing. I envied his prescience. Well then, that settles that. You understand that doing this will inch you closer to the technology itself, right? I said, sticking to the script. The technology is run by a guy named Flinch, spelled... Never mind how it's spelled. I won access to it by winning a contest that he was running for the best SMB worm. It's just a really nasty virus, no need to get into it. I can only access it remotely through Flinch. That's what the driving force of Wobegon is all about, to get to the machine itself. And that makes it all worth it? Hunter asked. That's the idea, I said. It could fix a lot of things if you're telling the truth, Hunter said. Also the idea, I said. Speaking of telling the truth, you don't know that I'm not just a player making some sort of power move on you, I said. That's the last reason that I'm here. I can prove to you that I'm a game runner. Just tell me how you want me to prove it and I'll make it happen. Consider it a bonus reward for a job well done. I had officially said all the lines, but the whole thing felt sloppy, like there wasn't any way that he could believe me. Hunter sipped his tea and sat quietly in thought for a moment. I've got one, he said. Something that you can't take away from me either, or at least something that you really won't want to. How about you come to me the night before you got mauled by that bear? That was real, right? Come to my cabin the night before and warn me that the next night that you'll be mauled by a bear and that I'm the only one who can rescue you. Tell me the number 32179. I know what the number means and it will prove to me that you are who you say you are. Of course I can do that, I said, not missing a beat. I had no idea if I could actually do that. I'm glad this went so smoothly, I said. I've been taken hostage by players in the past who thought that they could get one over on me. It never works out. I have a backup that reverts to a past time if I don't put in a password every couple of weeks. 
so there's no real way to keep me contained. So, no funny business. I'm sure that their prizes were much different than mine, Hunter said. Dead lovers and friends, mostly, I said. Bad choice. Lots of dangling possibilities, Hunter said. I wasn't sure what that meant. By this part of the conversation, I had finished my tea and was more than ready to get out of there. Well, I'm glad we had this chat, even if in the end it seems like we really didn't need to. You probably did need to, Hunter said. If I save your life in the bear attack, who knows what happens if you don't prove to me that you're the game runner, he said, and winked. Noted, I said. See you later, and earlier too. Neither of us laughed. We said our goodbyes and I headed back to my cabin. I didn't feel as though I'd done a good job. On the walk home to my cabin, I texted the game runners that I needed to go back in time and meet with Hunter at cabin 44C and specified which night. About a minute later, I got a text back that said, okay, in lowercase letters. One minute after that, I was standing outside the cafeteria and it was night. My head was spinning. I don't know if it was a biological or psychological reaction to being chucked abruptly back in time, but it was a potent reaction nonetheless. I was expecting to get some time to prepare or be able to designate my own travel plans or something. I was not expecting it to happen before I could do so much as walk home. I just stood there for a second, still, in the pitch dark, getting a grasp on the new situation. It sort of felt like when you're really sick on flu medicine or hungover, and it feels like there's a screen between yourself and the world, like you aren't fully the agent of your actions, even though you're doing them on purpose. A specific type of zoning out. Not an experience that I can recommend if you can avoid it. The crisp air chilled me slightly and made me more alert as I started walking to Hunter's cabin. I remember the pitch darkness from last time, when I was out this night because it was easier to sneak around to get to the documents that I was stealing. This time, it just made it hard to see. None of the cabins or other buildings have lights on the outside, something that always struck me as odd but was clearly a deliberate choice, seeing as how every building was like that. I suppose it's not like a strip of businesses that put lights out on front because they want you to know that you're being watched. It's dark because this is a private facility and you aren't supposed to be here. There are guards that are patrolling that will make sure that you understand that. Please do not find your way around, a guard will be with you shortly. I knew the paths decently well at this point and could manage only being able to see a few steps in front of me. I knew what Hunter's cabin looked like in the dark and where the paths turned. It wasn't gonna be a big deal, not a big deal at all. This is what I said to myself. It became apparent that it was going to be at least a medium deal. I was on the opposite side of a split path that I wasn't too familiar with. It was a dirt path with little in the way of borders on either side, so I had to be careful that I wasn't wandering off the path into the valley or the bordering forest, at which point I would almost certainly get lost. Despite the caution that I thought I was exercising, I was not careful enough about wandering off the path. About halfway to my destination, I tripped and fell over something metal. It was aluminum, and it came up to my chest, and it was loud. I'm sure everybody in the valley heard that, and it smelled bad too, it was a trash can. I groaned, now being coated in everybody's discarded food and soda cans which were not fully emptied. It was a repugnant smell. I hurt my knees and elbows falling to the ground too. Being 30 sucks, man. Sluggishly, still feeling not all there from the time traveling, I set the can upright and began to put as much of the trash as I could back into the bin. I had nearly accomplished this when I saw a bright light and heard a motor right in front of me. Get out of here, you fucking bear! A familiar voice yelled. Familiar words, too. My heart sank. An instinctual thought told me to step into the light and tell Marissa that it was me. A smarter, instinctual thought told me that I should probably run. I started to run towards the tree line when I heard a shot ring out and felt a sharp pain along the edge of my shoulder. I had been grazed by a bullet on my left shoulder. 
my saw shoulder, as I like to call it. Not deep enough to hit anything but skin, but it got all the skin that it could manage. Fuck! I yelled as I retreated. Fuck. I'm the bear. I'm the bear. I kept muttering under my breath. I kept running into the forest, smacking hard into trees that I could not see, repeatedly, which probably did more damage to my body than the initial bullet. After what was maybe 30 seconds of running, tripping, and smacking into trees, I was suddenly in my cabin. To use Eliza Schultz terminology, my retrocausal pocket was retracted back into its own sequence of events. Well, shit. That explains a lot of things, doesn't it? I'm the bear. I'm the bear. Hi, my name is Mike Walters, and me, I'm the bear. And here I thought I would return to a timeline where the bear didn't attack me at all, but here I am, still on the mend from a bear attack, and being shot in the arm, and running headfirst into a tree and bloodying my nose. I look awful. I feel like if I was someone's pet, the veterinarian would put me down out of mercy. I texted the game runners to tell them what they surely already knew, that I had failed my proof event, and I didn't know if Hunter would believe me that I was a game runner. They responded immediately. Of course he doesn't believe you, dumbass. He was never going to, even if things had gone according to your stupid plan. It doesn't matter, though. We got what we wanted. You did what we wanted you to do. W.BG I did what they wanted me to do? Of course I did. I wonder what that was. I don't think it matters. The whole thing is demoralizing. They just wanted to prove to me that I don't actually know as much as I think I do. Again. A little information is a dangerous thing, and I proved it by actively putting myself in danger, thinking that I was proving that I was in control of the operation. Foolhardy. That's a better word than hubristic, because it's definitely an actual word. I've been foolhardy this whole time, and every time I move forward in the game. I convince myself that I'm done being foolhardy, like, for real this time. Well, from here on out, I swear, no foolhardiness. For real, for real. Who's foolhardy? Mike Walters? Nah, couldn't be me. This has been Woebegone. Next time... I don't know, I'm the bear. I'm the bear. Maybe I'll be over that by next time. I don't think so. Thanks for playing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.